We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Today is Sunday, July 16th. I'm your host today, Chris Crawford. I am joined by my good friend, once again, Ryan Boyer. Uh, We're going to be looking at some players who performed well on Saturday, some players who did not perform so well on Saturday, and also offering some fab recommendations because everybody knows how much I love to talk about fab. But let's talk about some headlines first. And Ryan, Josh Donaldson, a name that is often in the headlights section for the wrong reasons. Uh, I'm guessing he might be in this section again for the wrong reason again. You are correct, sir. Yeah, um, I guess he must have first tweaked his calf like at the very beginning of July during the Yankees road trip, and he's been predominantly DHing since then. Right. Um, he, had, he had kind of a flare-up uh, a week or so ago at home, and, I mean, it looked like he was probably headed to the aisle then, but he – Managed to avoid it for now, but yesterday again had another flare up in uh, in Colorado, and has subsequently been placed on the injured list. Uh, I don't know how long of an absence this is going to be. Something tells me that the Yankees aren't going to be super anxious to rush him back. Um, Donaldson has like. 10 home runs or something this season. And, and he literally has like five other hits. So it's been not a great year. He's still a good defensive player at third base. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's not totally bereft of, of value. But in the meantime, Oswald Peraza on his way up. And he had been, his numbers in AAA have been pretty good. Um, he has, he had a huge may and a a lot of people were calling for him to, to come back up then, especially when Anthony Volpe has been kind of up and down. He was in the midst of, of one of his cold streaks at that time. Right. Raza has cooled off a little bit since then at Scranton. Um, but still has like 12 home runs, 11 steals, something like that at, at the AAA level. Didn't do much in his brief time with the Yankees earlier this season, but that's a very small sample size. He wasn't getting regular at-bats, and we know that he performed well last year for them. Mm -hmm. He is, of course, traditionally a shortstop, but he has made like five starts earlier this season with the Yankees at third base. He's made a couple at at AAA, so he's certainly capable. He's a good defensive shortstop so and has a good arm, so he would be fine at third base. Yes. They have DJ LeMahieu as an option there as well, but he's also had a bad year. Um, and I, I kind of get the feeling that the Yankees could kind of use an injection of some excitement like that Peraza could potentially bring. As we know that their their lineup post Aaron Judge has been uh, oh goodness gracious pretty bad. Um, I think Peraza could could provide a little boost. I like him as a, you know, we're, we're not, he's not in our fab section because I knew we were going to talk about him in this, in the, as part of this headline section. But I would recommend uh, scooping him back up. Got some power, got some speed. 
potentially the ability at for average. Obviously, he's in a, a great home park. So uh, I, I think uh, Oswald Peraza, even though he didn't do much at the big league level earlier this season, I think he's worth another chance for fantasy managers. Yeah, I think he's held his own as a major league player. And I think it's worth pointing out that most young players struggle in their first uh, taste of major league action. There is uh, a long history of guys who have had early struggles. Heck, Aaron, do you remember how bad Aaron Judge was when he first got called up, Ryan? Like, it was like, can you even think about drafting this guy? And all of a sudden, he is a guy who should have two MVPs, in my personal opinion, and uh, sets a little record on the along the way. No, I'm not saying Oswald Peraza is going to be Aaron Judge, by the way, yet. No, um, he's going to have to grow about seven inches and gain about 70 pounds of muscle. But <laughs> yeah, I, I do, I do like him a lot. And Josh Donaldson is... Probably somebody that, unless you're playing AL only and really need the pop, probably somebody you can just discard, I think, at this point. It's sure. um, it's disappointing. Uh, at one point, it kind of looked like Josh Donaldson was on Hall of Fame adjacent trajectory at one point, like because of his defense and because of his power and the fact that he can do a whole lot of stuff. Uh, that has gone away. He will be a somebody who is... Uh, more immaculate grid remembered than somebody who's going to be Hall of Fame recommended. But uh, yeah, he didn't, yeah, he didn't did come that. up till what he was like 26, but and yeah. he had like a, a really high peak for that, those, those oh, few yeah. years. And he kind of had a little bit of a renaissance there a couple of years ago. Everybody thought he mm-hmm. was never going to be healthy again. Um, that has kind of reared its ugly head again. And looks like he might be reaching, reaching the end. But yeah, yeah, he certainly had a nice, a nice run. Absolutely, and uh, a decent little payday as well. So good for him. Uh, some positive news: Grayson Rodriguez is going to receive the call up to start on Monday. Uh, Rodriguez was sent down in late May. He had a seven point three five ERA and one point seven four WHIP through forty five and one third innings across ten starts. But I think anybody who watched Grayson Rodriguez saw that there were some real flashes of brilliance as one of the best if not the best in my personal opinion he was the best pitching prospect in baseball uh and after getting sent down to triple a he posted a 1.69 era and a 0.99 whip through 37 and a third innings with triple a norfolk and now he's going to get that chance now it is worth pointing out that start is coming against the dodgers and the dodgers are pretty good that is a tough landing spot but I'm still adding Rodriguez and maybe sitting him on Monday because there's just so much upside in this guy. I love the offense that Baltimore can provide behind him. It's a pretty good, if not great, defensive team, even though apparently Adley Rushman just completely forgot how to throw. Also, Baltimore can't hold pitchers, uh, hold runners, excuse me. It's worth pointing that out. But Rodriguez has the stuff to be successful. By the way, a lot of people keep asking me why he wasn't listed in my imminent arrivals article, and that's a good way for me to promote my imminent arrivals article, which comes out every Wednesday. And Please make do. sure you're checking checking out Ryan's AL and NL um, player report. It is one of my favorite articles to read. Period. Uh, not just uh, on RotoWire, just overall, it's awesome stuff. Uh, but the reason he doesn't get on that list is because he doesn't qualify. He doesn't have rookie eligibility, and. It just creates such a slippery slope if I include all of the players in the minors. Um, I was always tempted to write, hey, if Grayson Rodriguez counted, he'd be number one or number two on the list. He probably would have been number one at this point because I don't think Christian Encarnacion Strand or anybody else is imminently arriving, to be honest with you. Long story short, Grayson Rodriguez, exciting to see him back in the majors. A little bit of a tough landing spot at first, but has real chance to provide fantasy value for the second half of the season. Totally agree. And I ju- did just check to see who he would be lined up to face next weekend after the Dodgers, and it would be at Tampa Bay. So, yeah, maybe sit him that first week. That's, uh, <laughs> That's they're, thro- they're throwing him right back into the fire for sure, but – yeah, just a, an immensely talented guy. Um, as you mentioned, the consistency wasn't there, but yeah, certainly flashed the upside of, that we know he he has during his time with the Orioles. And I think it's definitely time to to pick him back up. Um, but unless you're in a super deep league, I would probably keep him benched that that first week. But you know, 
you never know. Maybe uh, it would certainly be a good sign if he can make oh, you gosh, re- yeah. regret uh, not playing him that first week. If he can, if he can fare well against those two offenses. Yeah, um, heck of a litmus, heck of a litmus test. Uh, sure. Ryan, I know you wanted to get into your uh, thing, but I'm going to segue into instead. I don't have a segue. Talk seg, about Rolf Stockman. Seg, we'll seg, seg away. Seg away. <laughs> seg away. Except I don't have one. So talk about Aroldis Chapman and Will Smith. Yeah. So yesterday, um, I'm blanking on who the Rangers were playing, but I know they won two to nothing yesterday. And mm-hmm. Will Smith pitched uh, one and two thirds innings, came in in the seventh. Um, Ooh, and then Aroldis Chapman finished out with a scoreless inning. I gave up a hit, but struck out a couple guys. And after the game, um, future Hall of Fame manager Bruce Bochy was asked about his closer situation and if Aroldis Chapman was his new guy. And he said the thing that fantasy managers love to hear. He said, well, it's going to be, it's going to depend on matchups. Sometimes it'll be Will Smith. Sometimes it will be Aroldis Chapman. Um, You know, Will Smith, didn't do anything to lose that job. He's been yeah. great, surprisingly yeah. great this year. Um, Chapman has been better, though. Um, he's, I mean, the stuff really surprisingly looks just about as good as it has, and he's striking out like 15.7 per nine. The walks are way high as they usually are with him, but, I mean, if you look at a, Obviously, the Rangers have designs of making a deep postseason run as well as they're playing. And Chapman, I think, probably sets up as their closer over the long haul. Um, I think they're both both him and Smith are worth rostering. But if you're going to pick, ask me to pick a a leader in saves for them rest of season, I am I'm going with going with Chapman. I am too. Um, interesting question in the chat here. By the way, before I uh, pull up that question, my concern with both of them is I don't think the Rangers are done adding to that bullpen. I don't think they're done making moves, and it wouldn't shock me if they went out and got another guy who could be in line for save chances as well. That's kind of scary um, because I think that's the biggest weakness of that roster. It's not a horrible bullpen. It's a little weird that – the three best pitchers in it to me are Southpaws, which just isn't very common in Burke and Chapman and Smith. And there's like some other guys that are interesting as well. They, yeah, also they, could, have use, Al- they could use a righty yeah. for sure. They could use a righty and they could maybe use a uh, Jordan Hicks. Oh, Jordan Hicks might make some sense there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that question that I was going to ask you uh, from the Hart Foundation, Chapman, Fairbanks, Puck, uh, rest of season. Uh, where are you ranking those guys, Ryan? Um, I think I would put Fairbanks at the top, um, followed by Chapman and then Puck, which is, I mean, Puck arguably has the, maybe not even arguably, probably has the best grip on the closer job of those three. Right. So I think you could probably make an argument that he should be at the top, but I also think he's the worst of the three. Um, just ability wise, he's had a fine year, but um, yeah, I think I would go Fairbanks, Chapman, Puck, but that's that's a pretty tightly back packed bunch. Yeah, I think you could make the argument for all three being in the top spot. I think you could make all three an argument that they should be in that last spot. Uh, I actually like Puck the most long term. I've been really impressed with how he's handled the job so far, um, this year. I still wish that they would have given him the chance to start. I, I do believe that stuff, but I also get that uh, when you have a season ending injury every other year, the way puck was having, and then yeah. um, kind of struggling to acclimate back. I don't blame them for going that route, but yeah, that was a really interesting question. We always appreciate those in the chat. and We appreciate everybody who's joining us live uh, real quick before we get into the second half of the show. Let's talk about some brew crew stuff. Uh, Here's some good news. Rowdy Terlez going to be coming off the injured list on Tuesday. Oh, nope. I have that wrong again. What a wonderful, wonderful. Uh, brand new, brand spanking new news. Oh, Rowdy Terlez. 
Please, Ryan. Morning. Since you have the you have, since you have the new news, please go for it. Yes. Um, he apparently was injured his finger, oh, fractured man. his ring finger, and oh. required stitches due to a batting practice mishap. Oh. So he's going to be out three to four weeks now. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, this is so, th- that. Thank goodness I saw. So here's here's a little inside baseball. Sometimes, every once in a while, I won't look at the chat while we're doing this, Ryan. I'll be looking at my notes. Thank goodness I saw you shaking your head because <laughs> we almost had a Framber <laughs> Valdez ankle situation. We can't have that again. I mean, here's the thing too with Fra- uh, Rowdy Torres. He hasn't been very good. Um, he has provided some power, and there's a little bit of small sample because of injury stuff. But 672 OPS uh, doesn't hit for average. Uh, believe it or not, Rowdy Telez is not a big stolen base threat. I was shocked as you are to find that out. Even with these new bases, I was really surprised to see that he's not a big stolen base guy. He's droppable, isn't he, Ryan? If he's not, if he's even rosterable in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, given where we're at in the season and a three- to four-week timetable, I would – if he was healthy, I would be fairly bullish on him having a decently solid bounce back yeah. in the second half. I mean, he, he's been a pretty reliable power source the last couple of years. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the upside is not one at the level to where you need to wait this one out. Um, yeah. Owen Miller has been playing first base since since Rowdy got hurt, and it's looking like he's going to be playing playing there a while longer. Although I think I wonder if this might put the Mark Brewers in the market for a first baseman at the deadline because I mean yeah. they're, gonna, they're they've beaten the Reds the last couple of days, um, but they're really in a dogfight with them for the the lead in that very awesome division. Um, <laughs> So I could see I could see them, especially since Miller's. I mean, you know, he, he's had actually a pretty solid year. Yeah. Only like five home runs, but he's still on like twelve bases and sure. hitting two eighty something. Uh, but he's, I think most people would agree, better fit for like a, a super utility role. Uh, maybe, maybe on the short side of a platoon at first base that can get a a lefty bat to fill in there. But yeah, a little uptick in playing time for Owen Miller. Um, Brian Anderson has kind of shifted back and forth between right field and third base this season. He's been at third base more often of late. Looks like that's going to go to um, Andrew. Is it Andrew? Andrew Monasterio. Yep. Um, not terribly interested in him for for fantasy purposes. He's got a little bit of speed, but uh, I, that's another area to where the the Brewers could look somewhere else or, or maybe they're going to give uh maybe they'll give Luis Urias another shot yeah I was going to say absolutely and by the way uh Brian Anderson uh which I didn't get into just yet is going on the injured list with back discomfort yeah. um not really clear how long this is going to be going on but it is something that he's been dealing with um has a light strain or excuse me a strain uh, it's now come to light that he has a strain in his lower back a light strain like the we we got to be careful with these words, Ryan. Maybe uh, maybe we need to talk about doing this show at five o'clock in the afternoon, my time or something like that. Uh, but uh, Brian Anderson uh, on the injured list, Rowdy Celez won't be coming back. Uh, Brewers, if you want, as an emotional first uh, Mariner fan, I'll give you Ty France right now because he stinks. Ty France stinks, Ryan. That's that's my takeaway from all of this, and I'm getting very frustrated. He looked like he was on his way to doing something being a really good player and he's just stunk this year and also unbelievably slow. The amount of double plays I've watched this guy hit into has been, uh, you got Mike Ford though. We do have Mike Ford. He's, he's, he's providing those dingers. He also struggled yesterday as the Mariners lost six to nothing. And I yelled a whole heck of a lot during my YouTube show about him, but uh, we're not here to promote that yet. I will talk about when I get the chance to promote that. Um, but yeah, that uh, I I think the Brewers are a team that is an interesting position because they are the clear favorites to win this division now, like the clear cut, like, and they probably don't need to make 
too many moves to win that division. All due respect to the Reds. I, I love the Reds. This is one of my favorite stories. They also seem like a team that's just a year early, you know, just just and uh, have not looked good in this series against the Brewers, have yet to score a run in this series against the Brewers. And that's one of the reasons to like Milwaukee is that pitching staff. But if they're going to compete with Atlanta or Los Angeles or even like Arizona, I feel like they've got to do something. I feel like they've got to make some type of move and they have a good system. They have as much outfield talent talent as anybody else. I'm going to be really curious to see what they do at the deadline or if they do anything at the deadline. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm giving the Reds a little bit more of a chance than you are, but the, it, it's. Oh, I'm giving no- them a chance. I just think it's like there's, there's notches here. And yeah. I think that there's a, at least a decent amount of space between the two teams in terms of talent right now and talent for 2023 and in terms of talent for going forward i think the reds have one of the best young rosters in all of baseball they complete with baltimore in that sense yeah i think the brewers could definitely use a bat or two yeah um it certainly helped that christian yelich has had a nice uh, nice bounce back season looks like brandon woodruff is heading in the right direction, although it's going to be another month or so before he right make it back. Uh, but if he does, you know, Corbin Burns is coming off his his best start of the season, probably. Um, so they're it's a pretty en- enviable top two. Freddie Peralta had a had a good start his last time out as well. So yeah, I, I would put the Brewers as the favorite with uh, with uh, the Reds still lurking. Yes, that's that's a that's a good way to put it, and. Uh, Breaking news, the Braves did not score a run in the first inning. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they're okay. I, I, I'm wondering if something is going on because every time we have done this, it seems like we are seeing the Braves go up <laughs> five to nothing. Uh, I'm funny. Uh, we're going to get into the second half of the show, and we're going to talk about the three ups and three downs. But first, we're going to pay some bills and take a quick commercial break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable air. 
there is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games have have games that have the highest index, 10 for the whole game, average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Now, right now, you get access to the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. All right, let's get into our three up and three down. And uh, I know I just made fun of uh, that Atlanta offense. Let's talk about Ronald Acuna because this guy's just stupid good, Ryan. Yeah, Ronald Acuna, he's he's got some ability for sure. Um, <laughs> another just huge game for him yesterday. Two more home runs, one stolen base, and a loss, surprisingly, to the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Now up to 23 stolen bases, 23 home runs, 43 stolen bases on the season. That, Chris, puts him on pace for 41 home runs and 77 stolen bases. That's good. And wait, there's more. He's also on pace for 102 RBI from the leadoff spot, by the way. 144 runs scored. And oh, by the way, he's batting 332, which if Luis Arise didn't exist, would be he would be the far and away the favorite to win the batting title as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, going by Roto Wire's earned auction value. He's at $67 now, which is $17 more than the next player. So just a stupid good season that Ronald Acuna is putting putting together. I know I'm, this isn't – there's no actual, actionable information I'm giving you guys. Um, I can't tell you to pick up Ronald Acuna if he's sitting on the waiver wire. <laughs> uh, nobody's trading Ronald Acuna unless you're uh, – willing to give up your, your firstborn, perhaps your secondborn as well. Um, I just felt the need to highlight how amazing he is. No. And this is – I'm a, the co-host of this podcast, so that's what I've done. Yeah, it's a really good idea to highlight good players. And Ronald Acuna Jr. is as good as anyone. I mean, if you – I think it's, it's subjective, I suppose, but I think if you did the um, – the MVP vote now, it's got to be unanimous, right? Like it's got to be unanimous. And I think it's unanimous well, on no. both sides. I think that mm-hmm. Otani and uh, is unanimous in the AL and Acuna in the NL. I, I it's gonna can't be a very imagine. boring, barring injury, of course. It's going to be a sure. very boring injury yeah. uh, MVP discussion, which is fine with me because those kinds of discussions just exhaust me and want to oh, yeah. me to log off Twitter. anyway yeah that's that's fair yeah it's it but uh, incredible season i think this guy is probably second on my ballot if somebody is stupid enough to give me my ballot mookie Betts also had another monster game uh four for four uh with a homer two runs scored also drew a walk he's now hitting 287 387 596 596 legging percentage for mookie Betts, who Looked like he was having an absolute ball in the home run derby while also realizing that he had absolutely no shot at winning this thing. I did Ryan, did you watch the home run derby by by chance? Just a little bit. I didn't okay. I didn't catch the whole thing. Watching Mookie Betts just not use his timeout because he's like, what the heck is the point of using a timeout in this thing? I have no shot. It was spectacular. And it also made the thing go by really fast in an event that is already a little bit too long. Uh, now it's better now um for sure. by the way interesting trivia question for everybody the first televised home run derby not um tape delayed or uh anything along those lines was in 1998 it has not been that long since we have been doing that and it was Coors Field and the first player to ever show up in a home run derby live on ESPN was Damian Easley and it's amazing that the event ended up being a success after that because wow. hit all of two home runs in course field. Uh, you, pulled, you pulled that one out of the archives. I sure did because uh, they were showing 
of course, the the Mariners network was showing Griffey's two home run wins uh, over the, uh, excuse me, he has three, but I think only two were as a member of the Seattle Mariners. So they only cared about those, but they showed the ones in Baltimore where he hits the warehouse and his mm-hmm. win also in Coors Field. A little difference in the home run totals there. Everybody was going crazy about Jason Giambi hitting 14 of them. <laughs> 14 doesn't even get you into contention in the first minute and a half and around anymore. It's just crazy how this changes. Long story short, Mookie Betts is fantastic. Uh, let me ask you this. Drafting tomorrow uh, for 2024 for some reason. Where does Mookie Betts go? <clears throat> No, oh, putting me on the spot. Um, yeah. Well, it's going to be – it's hard for me. It's, Acuna's got to go number one. Yes. Um, it's hard for me to say exactly where I'd slot Mookie in because this is going to surprise you, but I uh, haven't done any research for the <laughs> 2024 rankings. Okay, will, so let me, I, let me change this. I will this. point out – Go ahead. With, with Mookie – um, he has already locked in second base eligibility for 2024. Yep. On the precipice of locking in shortstop eligibility for 2024, I believe he's at 16 games played. Yeah. Um, not sure if he's maybe getting a start at short today or not, but looks like he's probably going to get there, be triple eligible um, going into next season. And that's, I mean, beyond just him having a fantastic year that might be enough to bump them. Certainly a tiebreaker. If you're, if you're uh, having a tough time deciding between Mookie or another player, uh, that's, that's huge triple eligibility for, uh, for 2024. And at two of those positions being premium positions too, like that is, it's it's one thing to have eligibility at outfield first base. You know what I mean? That's nice, but it's like, okay. Um, but to have the ability to head play outfield, shortstop, second base, utility, which everybody has the ability to play utility, but I'm still counting it, and the middle infield spot. That's a lot of places that you can pay Pookie bets, and it's nice to take somebody and say, I can work my way around the roster here because I can put Mookie bets for basically wherever the heck I want. That's an awful uh, nice little thing. I'll, I'll cheer, so here's how I'll clarify it. Over under 4.5 for Mookie bets in drafts next year. Uh, under, yeah, 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 yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, again, I, I, I haven't done the, I don't know any twenty twenty four draft this prep is, yet. This is official. Uh, this is official. <laughs> July sixteenth, twenty three. Trey Turner's having a down season. I think Mookie's probably passed him up. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jose Ramirez has been good, not great. Mookie's probably passed him up as well. Um, Mookie doesn't really run anymore. So yeah, that's, that's the one thing. That's a that's a factor as well. Um, also, if you're in a if you're in a league that rewards being bowling eligible, he he can give you that flexibility <laughs> as well. Yes, multiple three hundred games on on that guy's resume. He's one of those guys you just. Although I was going to say he's one of those guys in like high school who was just good at everything who you hated. Yeah. But he seems like such a nice guy that. Oh. Maybe not. Possibly nice. Um, But as good as he is, you just can't match that financial flexibility that the Red Sox created. (laughs) Oh, that sweet, sweet financial flexibility, baby. Uh, I knew you were going to love it. Oh, I knew you were going to find a way to just slide that. The amount of gobbledygook I got on Twitter when I criticized that trade. And how bad does it John Henry just logged off. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, JH420. We hope that you come back into the YouTube chat at some point. Uh, Ryan, Andrew Abbott, although the uh, Reds have not played particularly well, Andrew Abbott still looks like a real nice thing here. Yeah, not like a super great outing for Andrew Abbott yesterday, but I thought it was worth bringing up because his previous effort was not good. Right. Gave up six runs um, in a start at Milwaukee. Yesterday, this start was against the Brewers, and he went six innings, gave up two runs, only three hits allowed, only three strikeouts, 11 whiffs and 90 pitches, a decent total. Um, So I think that was – 
encouraging to see that he can bounce back against after facing the same opponent two times in a row. I will point out there is a home run issue developing for Andrew Abbott. That is something that um, I know some people kind of waved wave warning flags. I just mixed metaphors there. Wave wave white flags and warning signs, but you get you get my drift, Chris. Yeah. Um, he has eight home runs allowed over his last five starts. Extreme fly ball pitcher in the most homer friendly ballpark in baseball. Like I mentioned, he only gave up three hits yesterday, but two of them were home runs. I think that can continue to be an issue. Um, so while Andrew Abbott is trending in a good direction overall, he it's funny because his first few starts, like he wasn't giving up runs, but he wasn't getting strikeouts or whiffs. And we were like, eh, yeah. I think blow, blow ups are coming. And then he started to give up a few runs, but he was striking out a ton of guys and we were feeling much better about it at that point. Right. Sure. Then he had the bad start against the Brewers, but now he's bounced back with a solid effort. I have quite a bit of confidence in Abbott, but those home run issues for a guy who gives up so many fly balls in Great American Small Park, I think, has a little bit of volatility potential there. Yeah, yeah, especially for a rookie pitcher. Like, there yeah. are going to be... Bitter with the better is coming with Andrew Abbott for sure. But I was really impressed with how he bounced back from that start. Like it's, it's not the best lineup, but after they had just gotten you pretty good to be able to pitch well that second time. And it's always harder for a pitcher the second time around because hitters are more familiar with your stuff and the, the plane that you're coming from and all of that nonsense nerd stuff that we love to talk about. Like there is absolutely reason to be concerned about that. But he really pitched well. He deserved much better. Unfortunately, uh, the Cincinnati offense has not looked good coming out of the break. Speaking of not looking good, let's get into our bad. Okay, let me paint you a scenario. You're Pablo Lopez, and in your last start from the All-Star break, you throw a complete game shutout with 12 strikeouts against Kansas City. And now you get to face Oakland. And you allow seven runs in five and two-thirds innings on eight hits allow two homers, CRA, ERA jump from 3.89 back to 4.24. And Ryan, there's been a lot of this with Pablo Lopez, who is one of the most frustrating pitchers, I think, to watch in terms of just pure volatility. When Pablo Lopez is good, he is as good as anyone. And I don't, uh, that's yeah. not hyperbolic. Like when he has it, when he has it going, he looks like an ace but there are so many clunkers that are mixed in here, Ryan. And yesterday was another example of an extreme clunker. The AL Central, I, I'm sorry, the NL Central, at least there's some excitement that you get from watching Milwaukee and watching uh, Milwaukee pitch and Cincinnati's unreal amount of young talent and some more that's coming on the way. And um, Chicago's got some interesting stuff. What's interesting about the AL Central? Give me an other than the fact Minnesota has pretty good uniforms and a wonderful ballpark, one of the most underrated ballparks in baseball. And I grew up rooting for the team. The very first baseball game I ever saw was game seven of the 1991 World Series. Uh, that was a good way to uh, kind of indoctrinate me into the sport. First game I ever saw on TV, I should say. But that division just stinks. And Pablo Lopez, like, He's going to be another guy for 2024 that I am going to remember this. I am going to remember that for every great moment that this guy has, there's a lot of times where I'm like, I wish I would have left this guy on my bench. He's a very frustrating pitcher, right? Yeah, and it doesn't seem to really matter what the matchup is. No, like, it's like you mentioned going or not. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, like you mentioned, it's this came against the A's that – really bad start. So it can tend to happen. I mean, obviously overall you have to be super encouraged, especially from a strikeout perspective, what he's done this year, really taking a step forward in that regard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still really like him over the long haul, but you're right. It's, it can be frustrating, especially if you're in like a, like a head to head league and he has one of those starts that just 
gives you no shot to compete in ERA and WHIP for the week. But yeah. still love Papa Lopez, but you know he can have uh, some frustrating moments. Speaking yeah. of frustrating moments, oh, my friend, goodness gracious, yeah, I'm ready for this one. Um, I don't know if you caught any of Brett Beatty's game yesterday, oh. but oh, I caught it. Somebody else I mean, maybe didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his face caught something. Oh man, um, right. yeah. I mean, obviously the <laughs> that one play is is it's going to go into the Shane Victorino gift <laughs> Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, Brett Beatty, if you guys haven't didn't see, he was tracking a pop up. Um, I don't know if the, it was windy at about called it Shea Stadium at City Field last night. But he lost it, and he and the ball fell to the ground. And as he was falling to the ground, oh. ball hits the dirt, comes up, hits him right square in the kisser. Oh, so man. as bad as the – I mean, the Mets in general, I mean, they just – they looked terribly here coming out of the break. So Uncle wow. Steve is not happy with his investment right now. Um, but yeah, in addition to that just ugly play – he was over three with three strikeouts yesterday as well. Yeah. Over his last five games, Brett Beatty is 0 for 10 with seven strikeouts. On the year, the batting line is down to 238, 308, 346. Strikeout rate has gone up to 27.5. So not the not the breakout year for Brett Beatty that we were we were hoping for. I mean we heard we heard plenty of people early on in the season when Eduardo Escobar was just looking terrible at at third base for the Mets and Brett Beatty was destroying AAA pitching. Everybody was giving the Mets all everything they could take as far as why isn't this player coming up? The Mets went with the Age-old, uh, oh, he's working on some things, still working on his defense. That's why he's not up. And I don't want to say the Mets were right because Brett Beatty probably still should have been called earlier. And I still think he's going to be pretty good over the long oh, yeah. haul. But, Me too. Um, certainly not the big season we were hoping for from the young Mets third baseman and mixed leagues, uh, you know, I doubt that he's been hung on to this tightly to this point, but if he has, I think you can go and cut him loose, even in a, even in a deeper format. Yeah. I I still think he's going to be, I I think I see enough flashes to suggest, although lately the flashes have just been awful. Like you, you mentioned those numbers coming out of the second half and look, baseball's hard. This is a really difficult sport, and a lot of young players really struggled that first time through. Um, by the way, I will say this. Uh, yes, Beatty should have caught that baseball. At the end of the day, Francisco Lindor should have called for that baseball because if you watch, Beatty has no clue where the ball's going. Like, you watch him literally round third base the other way go trying to get to this baseball. Yeah, he started Francisco, out, like, where the third base coach is, and then the ball yes. ended up about – you know, 10 feet inside the the foul line. So Francisco Lindor has a much better angle on that. Baseball. Sure. He should have called him off. He should have basically literally pushed. It'd be better for him to land on his back for them to land on his head. And then the baseball hit him that it would have been, if that's what it would have taken was and uncle Ted talks. This is that that's exactly right. This air is a complete summary of this year's Mets, which is look, Outside of some moments last year, this has just kind of been what the Mets have been. And it's, I hate to say the word hilarious, but it kind of is. And I am i say that because I have, like, if I look at my follower list, Ryan, I would say like 20% of them are Mets fans at this point. It's just oh, yeah. kind of crazy how many, like our good buddy DJ, David Roth, uh, Eric Malinowski, all these guys are diehard Mets fans, Richard Staff, all sorts of great great follows the Mets misery kind of helps us it's it's almost healing Ryan and I, I, I look if they win a World Series someday that's great 
They can't win one before my Mariners win one, though. That can't happen. Uh, that will just absolutely crush me. But it is kind of funny watching the Mets go through this stuff. I'm sorry. It, it makes me feel like a bad person, but there's just a little bit of schadenfreude watching the Mets do what they do. Um, and I deserve now to talk about what happened to George Kirby after that negative stuff because George Kirby was terrible yesterday. A legitimate, uh, literal all-star in the first half of the season. Did not get off to a good start. It's very similar to Pablo Lopez where, hey, you think George Kirby against this Detroit lineup? Well, someone forgot to tell Kerry Carpenter, a.k.a. the reincarnation of Babe Ruth, because he homered off him twice. He gives up six runs in five innings, uh, allows eight hits, uh, only the one walk. You're never going to see George Kirby walk too many batters. That's only his 11th on the season, which is absolutely crazy, considering he has 89 strikeouts to go with it. Unbelievable uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio. But I do think this is the risk you have with Kirby, where if his command isn't great, there's a chance for a blow-up, because his stuff is good. Like, you can get up to 99 miles per hour with his fastball, made improvements with the breaking ball. I'd still like to see him throw more changes. Um, but it's not elite. It is more about the fact that he can locate that stuff as well as anybody. Yeah. There are going to be starts where things go badly for him. You see the same thing with Logan Gilbert, where Logan Gilbert's relying a little bit more on command than he is relying on stuff. Both those guys, excellent and long-term I think are top of the rotation starters. The Mariners are very fortunate that they have both of those guys along with Luis Castillo and Bryce Miller and Brian Wu, who have shown unbelievable flashes of brilliance as well. Um, by the way, it looks like Bryce Miller will be pitching today. Uh, test All tests come back from the blister. That's good. Um, would consider him as a streaming option because – Asking the uh, if you're if you're watching this live and you don't have Bryce Miller in your lineup, uh, asking the Tigers to score more than five runs three times in a row seems like a very difficult thing. <laughs> if that happens, I will not be on next week's podcast because something bad will have happened to me. Uh, but yeah, George Kirby was just not very good, and unfortunately, this is why I can't put him in that ace plateau of pitchers, even though his numbers are pretty darn good, because there's just a little more risk that comes with that reward than a few other guys that I would mention. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I think I mentioned uh, Kirby before the season. It was kind of a half-hearted, admittedly, but it's kind of a guy who was maybe a little bit overrated because I think the command just is, was so pristine that but yeah. he's he's just a notch below the the elite guys yep. um and those when that command is not as pristine as it usually is and that can happen from time to time he's a pitcher uh baseball's hard um he can get knocked around a little bit uh, yeah but thankfully he hasn't had that too many of those starts yeah. this year like uh pablo lopez has has thrown in. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely not. And it's worth pointing out that even after allowing those six runs, he still has a more than respectable 3.43 ERA with the eight to one strikeout to walk ratio, which is just insane. Cliff Lee-esque. Um, so, but today was not good and we can only react to, uh, or today, yesterday was not good and we can only react to at uh, today. Uh, let's get into some fab targets and we're going to have a couple of A's. Why don't you talk about the... Uh, Catch your eligible one, Mr. Boyer. Yeah, speaking of uh, Pablo Lopez, the, <laughs> the team that knocked him around a little bit yesterday, those, as my buddy Chris Crawford likes to say, those double-A Midland A's. But their <laughs> the A's are looking a little slightly more interesting after promoting a couple of guys. Mm -hmm. Tyler Soderstrom, chief among them, mm -hmm. um, 21 years old. He's advanced pretty quickly. I mean, the A's sent him – straight to full season ball, even though he was a high school draftee. Yeah. He's he's hit everywhere he's been. Uh, 838 OPS, 20 home runs at AAA this year, uh, 29 home runs in 2022. Yes, it needs to be mentioned that he plays at AAA Las Vegas, which is basically playing on the moon. Yeah. So take those numbers with a grain of salt. And they, you know, 830 – 838 OPS and 20 home runs. That's probably, 
I didn't look at the numbers, but I'm guessing that's probably about 50th in OPS in the in, in the PCL. <laughs> uh, so you know, he's a young guy. He's got strikeout issues. Um, he did get his, he did have his first two hits Saturday. Uh, first game he started at designated hitter on Saturday. He started at catcher. Also going to play some first base for them. Although uh, Ryan Noda has been surprisingly good as the mm-hmm. as a rule uh, an older ish rule five pick. Um, but yeah, Tyler Soderstrom. While I don't know if he's a finished product, as I mentioned, they've he's been pushed pretty aggressively. Only 21 years old, won't turn 22. I, I don't believe until the off season. I don't know if he's gonna. He's not in the best position for success, being in that A's lineup and in that ballpark. And he's got, as I mentioned, some strikeout issues. Doesn't right. really draw a ton of walks, but he hits the ball very hard. He always has, and he's catcher eligible. So, yeah. And first base um, as well, so you can you can play him in a couple of different spots. Um, I think he's probably more deep league as far as redraft goes, um, but certainly an interesting guy over the long haul. I don't know if he's going to ultimately stick at catcher. He's played both catcher and first base fairly evenly at Las Vegas this season. Obviously, they have they have Shea Langoliers who they like much more from a defensive aspect. Uh, so Soderstrom, super interesting guy over the long haul, I think. Um, but, you know, redraft for 2023, I think he's probably more of a, of a, uh, of a deep league target. And you're going to talk about another a, I'm interested to see, to hear from you, which of these two guys you prefer. Yeah, absolutely. And I just real quick, I do like Soderstrom long term. It's kind of interesting because I don't think he's ever going to have catcher eligibility ever again. Like that, that's going to be something that is. Yeah. So there in one way, he's more interesting now than he will be long term. However, I do think he has a chance to be a corner infield guy or even maybe someday a starting first baseman because he has good power. Um, His selectivity has gone down. By the way, while you were talking about AAA Las Vegas, I just realized we're going to have Major League Baseball games played at that stadium mm-hmm. in Italy, and it maybe next year. Yeah, that's uh, interesting to think about, like from a Dynasty League perspective. Like if you have a bunch of A's roster, you know, it, yeah, we're not going to get into the whole uh, issue of how this happened. I think. Uh, Ugh. You and I both have some thoughts on that, but we do, and and we just love it. We're big, not we're, a, bi- we're big fans, and we're super excited. We're gonna go down to the circus circus, get the nine ninety nine buffet with the gray meat, and just be <laughs> really excited to go watch the Oakland days. Uh, to answer your question, I do prefer Zach Eloff, who is the other guy who got called okay. up. Um, he has had a decent little start here, uh, going picking up a hit in each game. He scored a couple of runs, also hit a triple. Uh, and that when, uh, excuse me, it was a loss. It felt like a win because they scored a bunch of runs off of Pablo Lopez. But of course it was a loss because it was double A Midland. Galas uh, really interesting to me. A guy who was drafted as a third baseman out of Virginia, but has played almost entirely second base. And it's the right spot for him because he is a well above average athlete, has uh, probably 55 to 60 speed, and but really reads pitchers well. I think he's going to be a major stolen base threat. Has a solid approach at the plate. He's more assertive than somebody who's going to um, like lead the league in walks someday. But I really like his profile. I like the fact that he's going to be playing in the middle of the infield. That certainly helps in a year where second base and third base, Ryan, are just not good. It's not, it's not ideal. I can see playing him as my corner infielder as my second baseman, definitely targeting him if I'm trailing in the stolen base category because I think he's going to get a chance to run. Oakland's going to give him a chance to put those wheels to the test. If there's a knock, the power at one point looked like it was going to be plus. It's probably just more solid average now, and I wonder if he's going to really be able to tap into it. This year, Oakland is not my favorite park for power hitters either, Um, so that'll be interesting. However, 
a lot of foul room and he can put those wheels to the test and he can get a lot of doubles and triples, I think, because of his athleticism. He would be the guy that I would be targeting with the exception of, hey, if you need that second catcher, if you're one of those monsters who plays in uh, a two-catcher league, yeah, maybe Soderstrom is the guy that I'm going for there. Uh, thank you for bringing that up, Ryan. I, I was thinking, the Heart Foundation asked, I was thinking of dropping corner for Goloff. What say you? I'm sticking with Horner. Yeah, I'm sticking with Horner as well, but that's a really good question. That next tier is who you're talking about dropping guys for. Uh, I'd like Horner's just overall, I like the Cubs lineup better. It's not exactly high praise to say you like a Cub, a lineup better than you like the Oakland Athletic lineup in the year of 2023. But uh, yeah, that's that, I would I would stick with Horner in that situation. But those guys, like I would be dropping a J.P. Crawford for a... Uh, Zach Geloff. I would be dropping yep. those those type of players for him. Um, by the way, J.P. Crawford, if you're playing in an on-base league, has provided you a ton of value, I'm guessing, just because he draws walks with the best of them. And he's actually provided a little power with double-digit homers. So um, shout out to my son, J.P. Crawford, for having a nice little year. But those are the type of players that I'm dropping for Zach Geloff. Yep, I'm with you. And, and I, I think I agree that uh, Geloff, at least for for 2023 that I, I, I prefer him. Um, another guy who was kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, certainly age wise and uh, position wise as well. Mm -hmm. I think it might be time to stash in Jen Ryu. Mm. Um, he had another uh, very good rehab start. His first rehab start at the AAA level yesterday, uh, five innings, just one run, five strikeouts. He has made three rehab starts, and in them he's covered 12 innings, given up just two runs, and struck out 11. Uh, he threw 66 pitches in this last rehab outing, and it sounds like he's probably going to need just one more. So we're looking at you know late July, maybe not this coming week, but the week after. He could be part of that Blue Jays rotation, and they have already said – He's going right back into the rotation. I'm not going to mess with any any bullpen usage for him. Reeves, 36, coming off Tommy John surgery. He was not great in his last full season in 2021. Um, wasn't all that great in 2022 either, but he dealt with the elbow issues and eventually had Tommy John surgery. He is more floor than ceiling. Um, mm -hmm. always has been, but he's got awesome control. I think he's going to be a great source for whip and probably ERA as well. The strikeouts aren't going to be super high, but the velocity has been fine. Mm -hmm. um, he's pitching well so far in his rehab assignment. I think the Blue Jays are due to pick it up offensively, provide him with plenty of run support. Um, you know, went five innings in his last start, as I mentioned, one more rehab start. So he should be able to go five, six, at least right out of the gate. And while, you know, he's coming back from Tommy John, maybe from a pitch count perspective, they will keep a little bit of an eye on him, but you don't have to worry about him tiring down a stretch or they don't have to worry about the, the innings workload rest of season. Um, I do think he's, as I mentioned, a little bit more of a floor play than a ceiling play because the sure. strikeouts just aren't going to be super high. But I do like him as a as a stash if he is available. Yeah, I like that call. I think sometimes when we're talking about fab stuff, we just get a little, even as a guy who has made his living for most of his life writing about prospects, I think we go a little heavy with that stuff. And sometimes we forget about, hey, this guy who has had a lot of success at the major league level with good baseball teams. By the way, just real quick, if anyone in Toronto is listening to this for the front office, please don't just treat Hyunjin Rio as your uh, deadline acquisitions. Go make that team better because I'd really like to see Toronto compete for a title this year. Just and like I, making a trade, Chris. Yeah, it's, I hate that so much. It's so silly. And hey, yeah, he does make them better, and he I'd like him better than some of the other options at the bottom of their rotation. But go get somebody better. Go go also improve that team because they have a 
The American League is so flawed, Ryan. It, it is as wide open as I think it's been. Houston is not the same team as they were last year, even when they get healthy Altuve and healthy Alvarez playing at their best. They're just not the same thing. And Texas is flawed. We talked about how the AL Central needs to be just absolutely destroyed. And the East, yeah, a lot of those teams have good records. But like, tell me that those teams are legitimate World Series contenders. Really? I mean, the Orioles really need to be bold with yes pitching additions. Although I don't know, I mean, what is the what exactly is available? Otani, maybe. Oh my gosh, could you imagine Otani in those ugly, ugly City Connect uniforms? I'm so excited (laughs) to see that. Um, (laughs) By the way, somebody asked who I think the biggest name that gets traded. I don't think Otani's getting dealt. I kind of wonder if it's Juan Soto. I kind of wonder if Juan Soto is going to be the big name that gets moved at the deadline. It's going to be hard to justify because of how much they gave up to get Juan Soto. But like if I'm AJ Preller and um, the Padres ownership group, I want to know how close I am to an extension. Because if I can't get something done and if I can still trade Juan Soto for a premium and get something similar to what I gave up, think it makes a lot of sense i think it does make sense yeah. for Juan soto to be that name on the move i'd love to see an otani trade I, I i would have loved to have seen the angels uh become a team that could win with him but let's just be honest there is too flawed of a roster there's reason for optimism more with the angels than i think some people would like to say but it's not in 2023 the, the injuries have just piled up too much they don't have enough depth in their in their system they don't have enough depth on the major league roster I would absolutely be trading Shohei Otani, and I would be just absolutely reaping whatever the heck someone's willing to give because if Shohei Otani is truly available in a trade, they should be able to get whatever the heck they want, even for only two months. Yeah, I mean, like I I get it from Artie Moreno's perspective in one respect that it's just bad optics trading easily the best player in baseball, but you also think about losing Otani for only a draft pick like that. Yes. Oh, reality could really set in at some point. Oh. Maybe they're going to, maybe they're going to change their tune. Um, so I, I think it's going to largely depend probably on how the angels fare over these here in those next couple of weeks. They, they did manage to come back and win a, a crazy game against the Astros last night, but, uh, lost the night before that and dealing with so many injuries as we mentioned yesterday as well uh that sure. i don't know if it's going to be the the year that they finally break through so yeah we're gonna Bummer. hear a lot about what if anything is going to happen with Otani these next couple of weeks it's going to be fascinating i'm so glad i won't be on news for when that takes place uh real quick just closing up the 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 fab section uh quinn priester uh going to be making his mldb MLB debut on Monday against the Guardians. I think that's a pretty soft landing spot. The Guardians offense, all due respect to Jose Ramirez and a couple other guys, just isn't very good. Uh, Priester wasn't great in AAA, but did show the ability to miss bats. He has a couple of plus pitches, a couple average one. Generally throws strikes, but has walked 34 batters already this year in less than 90 innings, which is far from elite. Uh, And you always have to be cognizant of the fact that uh, strike throwing for rookie debuts is not always an easy thing to do. Hello, Gavin Stone. I hope you're doing well. But oh, my goodness gracious, did you burn a lot of people this year? Still like Gavin Stone long term, by the way. But Priester was a guy who was considered at one point. We talked about this yesterday, Ryan. You know, a top 40 prospect at one point. He's probably closer to that 75-80. We're talking more high floor than high ceiling than a player with him. But there's time for him to refine that form. He's not going to turn 23 until September. He's still a pretty young pitcher. Pittsburgh's offense offers some opportunity for win chances. I maybe I would probably be rostering him and streaming him just because it doesn't get more friendly than Cleveland. I mean, it does, but there aren't many more friendly than Cleveland, I should say. Definitely worth it. I wouldn't go crazy with my fab. Maybe 1% of your budget, something like that, to acquire him and see what happens. But he's certainly at least worth a look um, over what I imagine will be at least the next couple of weeks. 
Yeah, I'm fine with streaming him in that in that matchup, but he's you know generally, as you kind of laid out there, uh, he's a guy who you kind of just pick up and see what happens. Yeah, um, if he's gets off to a bad start, you're not going to lose any sleep over over sending him back to the to the waiver wire. But he's definitely a guy worth throwing a few uh, a few fab dollars at. Uh, Ryan, apparently uh, DeAndre Hopkins went to the Titans, and I find that fairly interesting because I play in the Scott Fishbowl, and I happen to draft DeAndre Hopkins with one of my selections, and I think I like that landing spot. I think I like that landing spot. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, not my favorite quarterback, but I do think he's pretty easily the top target in Nashville. Um, Everybody else was talking about in the chat, so I I had to give my uh, two cents on that. yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they were looking somewhere else for a quarterback next year. But uh, are you excited for fantasy football? Yeah, oh, I, I'm in. I'm in one league still, um, but I do, admittedly, zero prep. I actually, humble brag here. I usually do pretty well in the league. Nice, but. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't spend much time on prep and it's uh just my one league. I do like to throw some uh, some DFS money on on Sundays sometimes. Uh, there you go. See if I can pull in some big bucks, but yeah, I don't get really jazzed for fantasy football to be honest. Well, make sure you're checking out the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, which Ryan just promoted really well. Um, <laughs> this is going to do it for us. Thanks again for tuning in this weekend. We really appreciate your support. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. And you can follow Ryan at Ryan P. Boyer. Please hit like. Please hit subscribe. We really appreciate it. And keep in mind, every day, rest of the season, new episodes every single day. You simply cannot beat it. Thanks again, and we will see you next weekend. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at mvmt.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at mvmt.com.